You're watching another episode of the BGFI Gear Lockdown Talks. My name is Misha. Thank you for watching and joining in. Today I'm sp uh, talking to a special guest, uh, a little bit different than uh, many of our previous guests in terms of uh, the topic that we're going to discuss. So that's going to be very interesting. Um, if you like the channel, if you have been watching some of our previous interviews, make sure to subscribe and also hit the like button on this uh, interview itself. Um, my guest today is Alexander Darwin, the writer of The Combat Codes. Um, for you who haven't read the book yet, I definitely recommend uh, checking it out. Uh, and uh, perhaps during this interview, you're going to get a little bit uh, of a preview of that. Um, so Alexander, uh, welcome. Thanks, Misha. I appreciate you having me on. Great. Yeah, thank you too. Um, what's your life like uh, right now during lockdown? We uh, we are here in the Netherlands and since uh, two days ago, gyms have reopened and people can get back to training. But what's it like on your end? Yeah, we're in a similar stage. I live in Boston, Massachusetts um, on the East Coast. Um, and actually, I think after this weekend, gyms, well, f fitness facilities are supposed to reopen. But right. you know what? I'm not sure how they distinguish, to be honest, between a regular weightlifting gym and, uh, you know, a grappling or martial arts studio. So I'm not quite sure how things will look until maybe after this weekend. Um, and I, uh, prior to the lockdown, I was teaching, uh, teaching jujitsu uh, twice a week um, for, for the school that I teach at, Boston Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And, um, at some point I'm hoping to get back to that, but things, to be honest, things are, are kind of up in the air right now. Um, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It, it, it's just like everything during this lockdown. It's, there's a lot of uncertainty. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, I, we work a lot with, uh, with, uh, Fuji sports and, uh, right. and both Jimmy Pedro and, and Travis Stevens are also in Boston. Yeah. They're, they're not too far from me. I haven't right. trained over there, but, but I hear it's a good, it's a good training environment there. Yeah, yeah, so of course. Top guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, of course, it's a big city, but I thought maybe you uh, you were close to them or you you've trained with them before. You know what? I've never I've never personally trained with them, but I've heard some um, some stories, especially about Travis when he was like a, a blue belt and a purple belt, and he lived in the area, uh -huh. and no one knew him at that point in the jujitsu community. So I've heard stories of him coming through gyms, and they're like, "Oh, who's this blue belt?" And then, like, black belts get, you know, demolished. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then they're like, oh, Travis Stevens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's an Olympian. <laughs> I thought I, the, the name rang a bell already. <laughs> right, right. But I, now yeah. everyone knows who he is, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. But is he, I don't know, is he, um, are the Olympics not happening? Or the Olympics are in Tokyo this year, right? I yeah, they were, I'm not sure what the status is right now. They were first postponing them, and yeah, I was all, wondering if he's yeah. going to be in the next uh, judo Olympics, judo Olympics. I wasn't sure. I think not. I think he retired from mm. well, at least from. Uh, That's too bad. He was really level. fun to watch. Yeah, definitely. A lot yeah. of nuaza, a lot of uh, grappling submissions from him. So yeah. so fun yeah. to watch. Yeah, yeah. I think he's busy also with uh, judo fanatics, and of course his work at Fuji and. A teaching so she probably keeps busy enough right and sorry i'm sweating i just told you before the interview i just finished my workout so I'll yeah yeah be sweating through the, through the interview <laughs> yeah, yeah no problem well that, that's uh actually very good also what i would like to talk to you about is um you're obviously the writer of the books um but i would like to know a bit more about yourself and why did you start uh, brazilian jiu-jitsu 
Sure. Yeah. Um, I'd be glad to talk about that. So I started, um, I did martial arts like a lot of kids, a lot of, you know, especially boys uh, throughout my childhood, but nothing serious, you know, um, traditional martial arts, um, karate and, and Kung Fu primarily. And I had fun doing it, but I was never like that into it, you know, um, just, just kind of as a, a hobby or pastime. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I started uh, grappling when I was in, in university. I went to uh, Boston University um, and there was a club. Um, there was a club and it was led by a black belt named Dave Ginsburg. And uh, he's been around the scene in Boston for a really long time. Um, and it was, uh, I didn't, I had no idea what it was. It was um, Nogi and this was around 2000, 2003, 2004. Um, I had not even watched, you know, at that point, any UFC or, or mixed martial arts or anything like that. So it wasn't like, a lot of people, you know, they watch Hoist Gracie and then they start grappling. For me, it was the opposite. I started grappling. I said, this is really cool. This is this is fun. This is kind of like, uh, I always say, because I'm a fantasy sci-fi writer, it was kind of like magic. The ability of, especially of a black belt, um, and this was Nogi, to, you know, control, fully control me. I had, I had no idea what I was doing and I, you feel so helpless. It was like magic, you know, like the closest thing to magic because I grew up like super nerdy played played uh you know Dungeons and Dragons and read spent my whole childhood reading you know fantasy books off in the corner um yeah. so of, of course I'm really into like you know um you know gaming when I was a kid and you know gaining experience and magic so this was like real life you know wow what is happening here yeah. so that was a really uh fun eye-opening experience and then actually after that at some point, my jujitsu instructor brought me to his apartment to watch, you know, he's like, there's this thing called the UFC. And he showed me all, all the old fights. I remember actually, he showed me uh, Carlos, do you know the fighter Carlos Newton? Um, he showed me a lot of his fights. He was an old a pride fighter. Um, okay. And he did a lot of jujitsu and he was fun to watch. So I was like, oh, this is actually something that you use. Um, so it was kind of re- the reverse of that experience. So that's where I started um that was that was about 15 16 years ago um, right. and that was all nogi yeah and and when was it that you made uh when you added gi to that as well yeah so um after university i went out to um i traveled from boston to california i moved out to san francisco um and i i um i ended up living in san francisco for like 10 years I started training both uh, Muay Thai kickboxing as well as some Gi Jiu-Jitsu at a small, a very small gym that was primarily for Muay Thai called Gym 445. It's not around anymore, but the head um, Muay Thai instructor was very well known. He was a guy from England. Uh, His name was Edge. His name is Edge Brown. He was super, super skilled, uh, super well known around that area, super nice guy. Um, so I did for a few years, I did mainly Muay Thai with like Gi Jiu Jitsu, maybe once, twice per week. I was more into Muay Thai. Um, and then slowly, eventually I started liking Jiu Jitsu more. Um, and, uh, eventually I moved, uh, or actually that gym, that gym, the small gym closed. Um, at, at that gym, by the way, I was under an instructor who was an MMA fighter, um, and it was pretty intense. 
yeah. it was it wasn't a gentle it wasn't a gentle welcome to you know gi jiu-jitsu he was he was really intense he was fighting for uh i think it was like strike force back then or maybe wec um and he was a he was an intense tough guy um so he didn't even the white belts he would just like he would just kick our ass he was just <laughs> no no sympathy nothing so that yeah. was that was a pretty intense and he was like came from a wrestling background so it was like all like wrestling practice i remember just like i couldn't a few times like i couldn't even make it home like i i, I had to, i i didn't live that far from the gym but i could barely barely walk home like i had to stop at a, like a restaurant yeah, <laughs> and like yeah, yeah. get some food or something like that <laughs> so and more then, like a, um, like boot camp Oh man, that was, it was the worst. I mean, it was good. It was good for us, but it was really, because he was training for his fights yeah. and he would just use us. I mean, I think he had some higher level training partners. He trained with like, um, uh, the Diaz brothers out, out, oh, wow. outside of San Francisco. Um, but he didn't, he mainly just beat on us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so I, I did Muay Thai a lot and I eventually, uh, my, my fiance and I moved out away from that area and that gym actually closed we moved towards the beach in san francisco and there was a gym there um called called ocean beach uh baja brothers and it was run run by my friend um carlos sapon who's a half gracie black belt um and there was it was a really cool environment very welcoming and he's so high level he's one of these guys who you know got his black belt you know when he became 18 you know trained jiu-jitsu his whole life um and he still he still has a school around that area um but that that was like a great experience i i lived like three blocks from from the gym right on the beach ocean it's uh ocean beach so it's it's not like a beach that you lay out in the sun it's kind of like a like there's pretty intense surfing there and people walk okay. their dogs so it's 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 a nice beach to be by um So I trained there like every day. I would just walk down in the morning, early morning class uh, most of the time. Um, and I, I, got, I stayed there for a while up until uh, Purple Belt. Um, and then my wife and I moved, um, I think it was you know, eight or nine years ago, back to, back to Boston, where our right. families are from. Um, and then I started training where I'm still training now, and I teach now. Um, which is Boston Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and that's under uh, Roberto Maya. Roberto pretty much started Jiu-Jitsu out on the East Coast here in Boston. He, uh, you know, in the in the early '90s, he he came over here and he was like the first um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu um, instructor out out in the Boston area. So most of the a lot a lot of the black belts out here um, in Boston or in the surrounding areas are all his his black belts. Um, okay. So he has a very, very, uh, big, big lineage, um, that have come from him at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that must've been a big inspiration for you. Uh, also writing the book, like not just the, 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 the technical side of jujitsu, but also the whole, uh, lineage and the people in the scene. Um, cause maybe, maybe for the people who uh, haven't read or listened to the book yet, maybe, Could you give a small summary of what the book is about? If if I could, I state that it's where uh, Game of Thrones meets MMA and Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs> that that's a good one. I haven't heard Game of Thrones. I'm a I like Game of Thrones. Um, I've heard a lot of different things. I don't make them up. I've heard like 
Harry Potter goes to, instead of going to learn wizardry, he learns mixed martial arts. <laughs> yeah. Or a lot of people, for some reason, compare it to Ender's Game. I don't know if you've read Ender's Game. Um, I think with the, with the combat school setting, um, it's similar to that. But basically, the premise, um, there's two books out right now called, uh, they're both com- combat codes. The second book came out um, more recently. It's called Griever's Blood. Right. Um, I have the them premise... both here, by the way. You, you can't see them in this screen, but we have another camera set up <laughs> <Awesome>. here. <laughs> yeah, the premise is a world um, where solving problems like diplomacy between nations is done through single one-on-one unarmed combat, like mixed martial arts. So it's kind of like, you know, the UFC, but if the UFC, the fights determined, um, you know, resource allocation and land allocation and all that stuff between nations. And the premise was there, you know, uh, all these nations in this, in this uh, fictional world were at the brink of, uh, you know, annihilation. And so they created a, a pact. It's a lot more complex than that, but that's, yeah. that's kind of the basic summary. And, and it's it follows, to prevent um, war, right? To prevent the war. Right. Um, it follows a, a kid um, who's, who kind of has a mysterious origin and he's a bit of a prodigy, uh, a fighting prodigy. Um, and he has a, again, I don't want to give away anything. He has a bit of a mysterious past and a lot of people try to, try to use him for their own, um, their own needs. And there's also a kind of grizzled veteran character who takes this kid under his wing um, and um, brings him to, to uh, one of the most prestigious combat schools in the world. And a, a lot of the book takes place in that school. Um, it's something I always thought would be really cool. One of the reasons why I wrote the book um, there's a, I've always liked, you know, fantasy sci-fi that takes place in a school setting, um, whether it be Ender's Game or Harry Potter. I just think that's cool. But I always thought it would be so cool if there was, you know, a school, like a university for, you know, mixed martial arts or Brazilian jiu-jitsu, yeah. you know, where, you know, instead of taking classes for, you know, biology and, and chemistry or whatever else you're studying, everything is related. You take judo and you know grappling 101 or or kickboxing or you know cardio endurance and that's what the, some of the classes are and there's different there's different levels um that they have to progress through um they have to graduate for each level and the end goal for the, these schools is to produce um uh champions that they can then fight for their country so each school i mean each nation or empire has a bunch of schools that are kind of feeding into their their um, system, their fighter system. It's kind of like yeah. minor yeah. leagues a little bit. Yeah. And and what what uh, made you start out writing these books in the first place? Because was this the first book you ever like? The first one of these two was it the first one you ever wrote? So uh, I've always written quite a lot, um, various things, but. Uh, more short stories and and things like that and i i had written a few novels but not gotten through them which is a problem um you know now if you if you so a lot of the writers i admire as well as what i know myself now is you really have to whether it's good or bad you have to finish um you have to keep writing um for practice just like just like training jujitsu it's 
it's practice. It's all practice, right? Yeah. Even if you publish, don't publish, you go through an agent, you self-publish, whatever it is. It, I see it just, it's practice. It's training, getting better. That's right. You can't focus, in my opinion, you can't focus too much on, oh, who's going to read it? What will people think? Um, am I going to be famous? Am I, am I going to, you know, any of that stuff, it's, it distracts you from the actual goal, um, which is writing people think too much for whatever they're doing myself included um it's it's too easy to think about like what will happen after like training for a competition you think too much about like oh what will my family or my friends think if i win or if i lose or what will it be like to stand on the podium or have a medal it's like I, for most people i think that distracts you from the actual goal which is you know training every day or writing every day so um i I've, I used to write a lot and I was just finally able to, you know, get this idea down and, and keep going through it. And it took a while. Um, and your editing took a while. So essentially just, you know, pushing, pushing through it and, and finishing. Yeah. Yeah. And that paid off really well. I, uh, I think, uh, this was not just something that you finished. This also turned into something really great. Um, what was your writing process? What what did that look like for these books? Uh, so to go back to Game of Thrones, um, I like a quote from from George Martin, and I think I'm pretty sure it's George Martin. He said that most writers are either architects or gardeners, uh-huh. and I like that a lot. And what that means is some writers, and there's there's a spectrum, but some writers do better when they outline. They create architecture for their world or for their story, for their narrative. And they, they plan it all out very well before they start writing. And then there's writers that are gardeners. They kind of plant the seed, start with an original seed and just go with it and just write. And then just A to Z. See where everything falls and then in editing, kind of try to piece together. I'm definitely a gardener. If I, because if I outline too much, which is a problem I had in the past, it takes away from my uh, creative process. Like I, it kind of takes the energy away. I spend too much time thinking about, well, what could happen here? You know, what's this plot hole? Um, because you could just go, especially when you're building a world, like world building, you can think all day, every day about what this, you know, fantastical world is. Um, and it kind of, in my, for me personally, it takes away from the actual act of writing. When, when I start writing and I don't know what's going to happen, that, that is for me a better use of, of kind of my creative energy. So I found that's, that's the way I write best. Now I have like, especially for combat codes, I know, I already know what the world is like. So that's less of an issue. But if I'm writing something brand new, um, like a standalone, which I am working on some, something standalone right now, it's, it's definitely, I have to have kind of a seed the plant and then I try to run with it. And then editing is a big, a big part. Some, for me, I didn't know this before I started writing that editing is so much, such a big deal. Um, whether it's yourself editing or someone else's editing, um, that's where a lot of the stuff gets put together. Yeah. And, um, I can totally imagine how much, of yourself, do you say? Would you say is found in this book, or of your, like, what you learned from uh, besides the technical part, but like the jujitsu, 
what we talked about earlier the the hierarchy and the the whole jujitsu world let's say in the in the real world how much of that is in the book so you do you mean like me personally or like how i see the world or um, what like, i'm interested in yeah so yourself but maybe also some real life people from the jujitsu maybe they 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 are have a representation in your book but under a different yeah, name yeah in the first book i think i i did a, i did a little further in that direction where i had some characters that were almost um i don't want to say doppelganger but kind of like based a little bit on real life characters in mixed martial arts i moved away from that a lot in the second book um because i didn't want it to be too too you know um too cliche almost where, mm-hmm. where people would be too distracted. I think I got some, there was some good criticism on the first book that I, I, that I took to heart um, where people said, you know, I like, I like everything, but that person rem- was clearly reminded me too much of this real life person. It took me out of the, the story. Yeah. I, and I, I agree with them now looking back at it. I, I don't know if I would have done that, but you know what? Again, I, I did it. It is what it is. And yeah. then we're yeah. getting a lot more people now um, reading the book that don't know anything about jujitsu or martial arts, people that are more interested in like sci-fi or fantasy, and they have no idea. So it's okay. It's only the people that are like big jujitsu nerds like right. me that were like, I know who you're talking about. That was like, that's like John Danaher or whatever, because I had a character name that like, it was a little bit like that. Yeah. yeah, a, yeah. But it's my colleague also uh, already. But I understand the I, I, I take to heart a lot of the criticism because I probably would not have done that um, if I did it again. Um, and then as far as um, I, I, I think subconsciously the world is probably all, all me to some extent, but I try as far as my own personality, I try to actively stay away from it just because it's hard for me when I start getting in my own head, it's kind of hard to write, write the characters. So usually yeah. I'm probably thinking about, you know, I go through a process when I'm writing a certain character, I have an idea in my head of who that, who that character is. I'm constantly asking myself, what would they do? Almost like you're talking, thinking about a friend. Um, if you have a good, let's say you have a good friend that you know fairly well um, and you put them in a situation, you say, what would they do in that situation? Not like, what would I do? So that's kind of the, the, the thought process. Yeah. 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 Did, did you have a lot of difficulty to translate the the grappling positions and the nuances and the techniques uh, into the book? Because you, you wrote it in a way that it's it's interesting for people that actually train, but it, it's also definitely interesting and understandable even for people that don't train at all. Like you say, you, you get a lot more sci-fi fans right now. Right. I uh, That was kind of a process. Um, I Exactly like you said, I, I tried to balance um i wanted people that trained um, martial arts to be um excited about it because and i wanted clearly it to come across that this is more realistic fighting than most than most um fiction or tv or movies that's another reason i wrote the book is because i feel like in fiction you know, uh, combat, unarmed combat, especially is often portrayed kind of not very realistically. There's better stuff now. There's a lot better stuff where you see like jujitsu, um, you see, uh, kind of like mixed martial arts type fighting now in some movies and TV, but for the most part, there's still, it's still kind of, uh, annoying. A lot of things. My biggest pet peeve 
I say this all the time. My wife probably is like, stop saying this because she gets super annoyed when I say it because we're watching TV. I'll like interrupt it is when someone it's like a, you know, a spy or whatever. And they, they sneak up and they, they choke someone and then they choke them for 10 seconds and they're dead. (laughs) And I'm like, they drop to the ground. I'm like, they're about to wake up again. What do you, they're going to wake up and they're going to shoot you, (laughs) but they're dead. It's, and for me, that's like the most, I recently saw something though. Uh, have you seen that show, Hana? Hannah? No, I haven't. It's like on Netflix. It's about, it's about like the little girl. She's like becomes an, kind of a, an assassin. Um, there's some good, I, there's a scene in there where she chokes someone and then he falls asleep and wakes up. So it's like, I was like, yes. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stuff like that. But I actually think stuff like that, even with everything going on, it's important for people to know that if you strangle someone, they don't die right away. It's obviously very dangerous because if you hold on a strangle for too long, they can die. Right. But if you strangle someone for, we all know everyone who grapples, if you strangle someone for eight seconds, they pass out. And then if you let go, they wake up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, um, it's important for regular people to know that as opposed because I think most people because of movies is and TV, they think if you strangle someone for 10 seconds, they will die like dead. Yeah. And that's even when they, when they do use sort of grappling techniques in a movie, there's a lot of flying around and that. And it's all flying omoplata. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and, and i think this book gives a good perspective on what a right. more realistic but, fight would look like yeah but basically the the tough part was trying to write it so that people that don't understand um can understand as well so trying trying to balance for again as i said a lot of people who are into sci-fi or fantasy uh, might be reading it yeah. um and i tried to make it almost like if you read a if you read a fantasy book and you learn about a new magic kind of system um and you learn about the different spells and whatever it's i try to do it similar you learn the different techniques it's almost like a magic system yeah yeah with, with martial arts yeah you uh you talked about the combat codes having at least three parts previously um now that the second novel is out and you're probably already working on part three but uh will there be more than three parts in this world or are there going to be more stories, but maybe in the same universe? Yeah, I've thought about that a lot. To be honest, I don't know. It's kind of like the way I write. I'm a, I'm a gardener, so I yeah, I try not to plan too far ahead because um, I think it it makes me less. It makes me lazy. <laughs> if I plan too far ahead, it makes me kind of lazy because it's almost like, just like I was saying before, it's almost like in my head. My head says you already did that but it's, you haven't done anything. It's like, yeah. that's why I think, um, I forget what I was reading. It's kind of like social media sometimes I think is negative because people say they're going to do something, right? Like, let's say I was going to be like, I'm going to be a, a professional mixed martial arts fighter. And then you post that on social media and then everyone says, great job, great job, but you haven't done anything yet. So it's <laughs> yeah. kind of like your brain gets those positive feelings and you haven't done anything so for me it's similar with um even in my own head if i think about too much what i'm going to do it's almost like 
my brain says, oh, did you already do that or, or did you not? And I'd rather just like kind of not even think about it and just do it. <laughs> just do it. Yeah, yeah. The Nike approach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was wondering, what would you think of a, a film adaptation of the Combat Codes? Yeah, I'm not going to complain. That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. think it's too, it's, it's pretty far away from that. But if, if there's any, um, big time movie producers out there, um, I'm down for it. <laughs> yeah. I hope you're listening guys. <laughs> And would you prefer a series or like, like movie style? I, you know what? I actually went to school for film, so I should probably know, um, something about that. Uh, I have not used that film degree very much at all. Um, but, but, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, to be honest, I think I think either one has advantages and disadvantages. Yeah. Um, but it seems like uh, TV series are really big right now. You know, Netflix, and it seems like there's a lot of, especially with quarantine, everyone's at home. Um, I know they're releasing films like on 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 TV now, but I think there's a lot of momentum behind um, TV series. I like I like right now TV series just because that's what I've been watching. Yeah. I don't have that much time to watch TV, to be honest. Um, but, you know, that would be cool. Yeah, it would be awesome. It would really offer something different than what's out there. So uh, yeah, we would yeah. have. To, there would have to be a lot of uh, jujitsu um, specialists. I know actually that show. I've been. There's a lot of people that have, uh, you see like on social media. They're doing. I think Brazilian jujitsu is pretty pretty popular right now amongst you know uh celebrities and and athletes yeah. seems to be a lot more in the mainstream yeah yeah it's, it will be interesting to see where that's going and and if it would come out who would you uh who would you like to see as uh, seagull i'm not sure if i pronounce it correctly yeah see I, that's how i pronounce it you know yeah. what's funny though the pronunciations is there's the narrated version of combat codes it's on it's on audible um And the new one actually is coming out on Audible. Should be like any time, like in the next few days or a week. Cool. Um, and my narrator, his name is David Sweeney Bear. He's a, he's an English guy. He's so so good. Um, he asked me the same thing, like when he's narrating the book. You know, how is this name pronounced? Is it Seago? There's so many names and different world, different you know cities and everything. Right. And most of the time I had something in my head when I wrote it, but the way he said it sounds so much better. <laughs> I just said that, you know what? That was not what I thought it was, but your way is better. It sounds better than what I, when I thought. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It has to work for audio as well. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But, but what, what name would you think about if, if they uh, ask you, Hey, we're going to film the book. Oh, or, that's or tough because he is, he's a young kid. Right. Uh, so I don't know of any, To be honest, right. I don't know. I don't follow actors or I just haven't watched many movies or I don't follow a lot of that at all. So I really, to be honest, as far as a young kid, I don't even know any actors. <laughs> I yeah, do yeah, know yeah. any actors that are around like 15, 16 maybe. No, usually they come out of nowhere and then that, that's their their big thing uh, to start with. When, right. When the, yeah. yeah, I don't. I'm watching this one show I'm watching just now, H Hana. Um, which is pretty good. That girl is really good. She's like 15, 16. She does a lot of martial arts, but you know, yeah. Seagull is a boy. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll be really be, interesting. Um, Sol Solara, who, who is, uh, becomes later in the book. Yeah. 
it would be nice if you had a say in that though because you you have such a a picture probably of him also uh, in your head you you wouldn't right. want that to be uh, a bit distorted uh and do you have any idea who would you like to see as Murray? Yeah, I, I guess I I know more older actors, but I haven't thought about it too much. Um, in my head, when I wrote it, I was thinking I wasn't thinking of actors, but I was thinking kind of like you know Randy Couture. Yeah, <laughs> but he yeah. is he an actor? He, I guess he was in that one movie, right? Um, he was in that movie that with uh, Sylvester Stallone. I think it's like a series where was. Uh, I forget what it was called, but it was like a bunch of it was they they pretty much put like all the different action stars in one movie. Oh, the like uh, Expendables, and, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, yeah. wasn't Randy Couture in that? I think in part two or three, like there's a whole series of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So we'll bring him so. back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Cool. We uh, we have a little bit of a Shark Tank, so some quick questions. And sure. you can say A or B or just a short answer, or you can also give a long answer, of course. But just okay. the, fir- the first thing that pops in your, in your mind. Uh, favorite book? Um, Besides the Combat so Codes. I really like this book called uh, Musashi. Highly recommend. It's by Eiji Yoshikawa. It's not the book of Five Rings. It's not a philosophy book. It's a fiction about... Uh-huh. Musashi, the samurai, it's like a movie. He goes, you know, through the the countryside and it follows him from when he's a young kid and he's kind of undeveloped as a samurai all the way to when he's like becomes a legend. But it reads like, uh, you know, a fantasy book pretty much. Um, I highly recommend it. Super good. Sounds good. Favorite writer? Uh, My favorite writer. You know, I go through a lot of different phases of who my favorite writer is. Um, that's a pretty tough one. I like a lot of them. Um, I would say, I don't, <laughs> my favorite writer. Well, I, you know what? When I was, when I was a kid, I read so many books by this one author and I don't read them anymore, but I do want to give him some credit for kind of developing who, who I becoming a writer myself. His name is R.A. Salvatore. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say right now he's my favorite writer, but for many years he was. He writes fantasy books. Um, they're a little bit pulpy, but they're, they're awesome. Um, his name is R.A. Salvatore. Cool. Uh, favorite submission? Uh, Oma Plata. Yeah, we just did an interview with the uh, Omoplata man. I uh, don't know if you know him, Bradley Hill. Uh, but yeah, oh, yeah. great, great uh, technique. People think it's a sweep, and it is, but it's it's such a cool submission when yeah. it can be done. Yeah. Uh, coaching or fighting? Oh, definitely coaching. Uh, what's your favorite competitor or, or jiu-jitsu fighter? I really like Clark. I follow Clark Gracie a lot because of Omoplata's. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of, I like a lot of, um, I think Marcelo is great. Um, I like, I like when fighters are, are good on and off the mat, to be honest. I, it, 
like good people. I, I can I can value their skill no matter what, but I I like it when they're both they're good fighters and then also they have a good character off the mat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what's your favorite gi? Kimono. Oh, favorite gi. Um, I have a really, really old um, Keiko Raka gi. And the collar is like a brick. I don't know if you've seen these old school. It's almost like a judo gi. Uh -huh. I've had it for like 10 years. It's lasted. The collar is like, it's almost, I think it's illegal. It, you can't compete <laughs> with it because the collar is so thick. That's how they used to make them. Yeah. Um, and I still, every one, I don't wear it that often. Every once in a while, I'll, I'll break it out. <laughs> Just to destroy your opponent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't hear a lot from Keiko anymore. Yeah, I but, think uh, they're mainly overseas. I don't know if they're still around, but this like gi is old, yeah. 10 years. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's the number one thing on your bucket list? Oh, bucket list. I, you know what? I need to travel. I mean, I, I, I used to be really into travel, and I have kids now, young kids, so it's hard to travel. So I want to bring them all around the world, like um, – not even one specific place i would like them i have family in southeast asia so and they've never been there so i think mm -hmm. bringing them to to vietnam would be that's where my i still have a grandmother that lives in vietnam so cool. that would definitely be it bringing when they're old enough because it's tough to do that go that far with little kids you know um so when they're old enough bringing them to vietnam i think would be would be the number one on that bucket list yeah yeah that might be a whole topic for another book That that kind of journey. Um, what's your favorite sport outside of martial arts? I used to be like a because I'm from Boston and this is a big sports city. I used to follow a lot of sports. Um, you know, baseball, football, basketball. People are really big into sports out yeah. here. To be honest, though, I like I just stopped like maybe 10 years ago, I just stopped. It was too much information. Like it's too much information to follow all the different players. And then I just started only following mixed martial arts and grappling. Yeah. So that's almost full time. If you want to follow like, all those. As far as, so I don't, as far as sports that I watch, I pretty much only watch. I don't even have time to watch like UFC anymore. I don't even know who the big fighters are anymore. I used to be a big fan. I kind of love grappling more now, just grappling. And I like playing tennis. Tennis is fun. Ping pong, like racket sports. I like I like some of those. Yeah. Just yeah. have fun. Nice. Uh, well, last question. Uh, when will part three of the combat codes be released? <laughs> I wish I could tell you. I'm I'm digging into it, but um, hopefully by by next year sometime, I, I would hope. Yeah, yeah. And cool. I'm also writing, I'm trying to write a standalone book as well, um, just to break things up a little. I like writing combat codes a lot. But sometimes I think I need a, a little break from, you know, the world so that I can refresh myself and be able to, you know, put my, you know, write well for the combat codes. I don't want to, if I'm not having fun doing it, I don't think it'll come out, come out well, yeah. as well. Is that in parallel? Like you write one day this, one day that, or is it really like a period that you switch? It's usually like a few weeks, one okay. and then a few weeks the other. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, I think, uh, uh, People that haven't read the book yet have, have gotten a really nice introduction to it. And for people that already did, it's really nice to uh, to learn more about the writer behind the story. 
Um, where would you recommend people go in if they if they want to, or or maybe what's your preference for people? Should they do the audio book or the the written book? What do you think is is better, or is it just a matter that of preference? That really depends on on their own. If I think some people switch between, but a lot of people I know like audiobooks more because they're they listen to it in the car um, or while they're doing something else. Um, and then I know some people are more readers. So again, the audiobook is already out for book one. So if you're if you're an audiobook listener, the, I think the narrator did a really good job. He did did it justice. Um, and then the, the second book, the audiobook should be out fairly soon. Um, and then yeah, of course it's available um, on Amazon uh, paperback, either you know Kindle e-reader or paperback. So I, I really think that's a preference of of what what you you as a reader like to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Where can people follow you? Uh, I'm social on, media. Yes. <laughs> Don't follow me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm on, I th- I'm on Instagram. It's combat codes on Instagram at combat codes and then Twitter. Although I don't really go on Twitter. Twitter scares me a little bit. I try to stay off Twitter. Yeah. Um, combat don't get codes any on. weird discussions. <laughs> well, it's just everything. To be honest, everything on social media is so negative nowadays. It's, it's tough. Yeah. I personally I mean, I'm glad to respond to people and talk about, you know, dorky things like jujitsu and, and, um, and fantasy and sci-fi, but I try to try to stay off it a bit, but it's my Instagram handle is at combat codes. And I think that's the same for everything. Cool. Yeah. We'll put a link down in the description also. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks a lot for your time and, uh, and letting us into the world behind the story a little bit. I really appreciate your taking the time for that. Um, Thanks, Misha. I I appreciate you having me on. Great. Everybody uh, watching, also thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And make sure to check out the book. It's definitely uh, recommended. And, uh, well, Alex, uh, thank you again and and, uh, wish you a really nice day. Okay, you too, Misha. Have a good one. Thank you. Take care. 